Welcome to Open-Minded Healing, where the topic is alternative health. We will be having conversations with the practitioners that offer a variety of alternative healing modalities, as well as everyday people who have recovered their health outside of the MD's office. Join us with an open mind for conversations that may provide solutions to healing your own body on a mental, physical, and spiritual level. I'm Marla Miller. Let's begin. Welcome back to Open-Minded Healing. Today, we're going to be talking about the topic of trauma and how you can overcome it with my guest today, Christina Woods. Christina Woods has a lot of expertise in this area and a lot of tools that can help you accomplish this, but she also has her own personal story when it comes to overcoming trauma. So we'll get into all of that. Welcome, Christina. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm happy to talk about this subject because I would say that everyone in life at a certain point goes through trauma. You know, you could have little things that are upsetting all the way to a major trauma that stays with you and is very powerful over your life. So before we start delving into this further, do you want to just give a brief glimpse of what you do today? And then we'll start with your own personal journey overcoming trauma. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and a coach and an energy healer. And I primarily work with women, uh, really, you know, smart, capable, spiritually open women to really help them remove limiting beliefs, certainly work through trauma. But we often have these invisible barriers and help them rewire in the truth, which is, you know, we're all enough. And really get to the core truth of that so that they can break through those barriers or boundaries that are there and just become unstoppable, whether it's love or money or whatever it is that they want to do. And this is my second career. So that'll be part of the story that I tell. This is an exciting second career for me, a a second life after I dealt with trauma. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happens a lot of times, isn't it? Someone has one career they're headed toward, and then some major event happens that completely spins that and turns you in another direction. Yeah. So I do like what you said about not only empowering women, but helping them understand that they are enough, because that is very prevalent, right? Where people are struggling to prove themselves and never feel quite worthy many times. So I think what you're doing is a great service to oh, thank women. you. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny is it never fails. Almost every time someone reaches out to me for the first time, they'll almost even apologize and say, you know, I have so much in my life to be grateful for. I probably shouldn't even be asking for help. And I've been there. You know, I, I've been there where I felt like, gosh, I have checked the boxes in so many areas of my life. Why do I still not feel enough or okay, or I'm overdoing it over here and there. And with trauma, so often, you know, we're putting a bandaid or covering it up or surviving, working through it, surviving, finding other ways in which we can make it through every day, every week or in life until we find a way that we can heal it. Yeah, I find a lot of people seem to feel like, and including myself at different times, but feeling that need to be strong to not ask for help. Or Mm -hmm. I I know I had to work through that myself at one time where you feel like you don't want to 
be weak. You don't want to share your struggle because people, you know, you think I should be able to handle this myself. I think that also happens when people might be depressed for a variety of reasons, but they don't share it because they think I do have so much to be grateful for and I shouldn't be feeling bad or I should be able to handle this on my own. Not only that they don't want to appear weak, I think it's more like they think they should have it within themselves too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I have, I have these other things, so I should have the skills or the wherewithal or something within me to deal with this or feel better or get over it and, and move forward. And our world tends to say, okay, suck it up, buttercup, come on, move on. That was what I did. And I know now that was a survival, a survival mode for me. And I grew up the oldest of four children. Um, I had teen parents. So, you know, I know now that I was growing up as they were growing up. My parents were, you know, 17 and 18 when they had me and obviously weren't very equipped with knowing what to do. And um, I grew up now understanding I was in a very kind of hypervigilant place constantly from you know, from birth, really sort of hyper aware of chaos and what was going on around me and really just very quickly learned that, all right, if I'm the good girl, if I'm sort of calming the situation down, my life gets to be a little bit better. Um, If I don't have needs, if I just stay quiet, if I get good grades, if I, you know, help my brother with his homework. If I do these things, I get some praise, but I also get to keep things calm and things feel a little bit better. And so I kind of moved through life, you know, president of high school and homecoming queen. And so on the outside, things looked really fine. They were not okay at home, but I wanted, I had that persona out in the world that things were fine and went on and and did college and got married and had kids and had this 30-year corporate career that had the bank account to check off the box that things were very successful. But I was the person they could call and send an email at midnight and say, hey, could we have this report by 7 a.m. Eastern time? I'm I'm on Pacific time because I was always trying to people please or be that person because that was innate within me to survive like okay yeah i'm validated by all of these outside things not from within i'm validated i'm safe if this happens and so that's exhausting yeah. and you know part of my story and journey was when everything my deck of cards i say started to fall apart as i was approaching 50 years old now i'm 55 so it was about 7 years ago when things started to really fall apart my health my marriage of 23 years my career, everything started to fall apart. And that was really when I faced my trauma because for so many years, I said, no, that's not really trauma. That really didn't happen. And I really want to voice that because I think that's more common than people realize or or want to admit. And I want to be a voice for people because most of my life, I had a little voice that said I was bad. And I never told anyone. I think I would sometimes maybe tell my husband or a best friend. I would say, 
you know, why do I always feel bad? Why do I feel like a bad person? Or I'm not a bad person, am I? But I felt like a bad person and I would definitely sabotage things through shopping and eating and other behavior because I felt bad. And now I know that was part of that childhood abuse and trauma that happened. But I didn't understand that till I was almost 50. And that's a long time to lead a life where you feel like a core part of you is bad. And I wasn't, I'm not. And I think other people feel that. Yeah, I think a lot of people do feel that. They diminish what's happened in the past. I guess you become sort of immune to it or you talk yourself out of it or, you know, rationalize it or you don't know the difference because it's how you grew up. You know, you don't know how other people grew up and that they had a healthier home. Maybe Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when things started to fall apart for me and people ask me what started all of this, this journey and the second career and everything. And for me, it was really like for many people, you hit a wall and you just decide, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to feel quote unquote bad anymore. And I had a definitely a spiritual awakening moment that I'm happy to share. But I I had a moment where I also thought to myself, you know, if if I don't go deep and I got to go deep and and I had had always been somewhat spiritual, I had a lot of self-help books and so on, but I was always on the peripheral. I had never really dug deep because I was afraid to dig deep and find out what I would find out. And I think that is yeah. normal as well. And and I had made the decision at that point, like, all right, Christine, you got to go deep and you got to find out. And when I did, it wasn't always an easy road to go deep. And, you know, there were moments when you're digging things up and you're you're healing. But on the other side of it now, I'm able to to really embrace who I am and know that I'm enough. But my my spiritual moment was I'll I'll share in a sec, but I was outside pulling weeds in my pajamas. And so that's one of those moments where, you know, it's not your intuition, you know, it's something much of a higher power speaking to you and you kind of can't explain it, but it's very powerful. You mean you received a message while you were doing something random? Yes. Outside. Yes. And so what was that moment? What was the awakening? So I'm outside pulling weeds in my TJ Maxx pajamas and <laughs> and I'm noticing the kids didn't pick up the dog stuff and, and everything. So, yeah, you're right. It was just a random moment. And I heard a voice and I had never heard a voice before, but I did meditate and do things like that. But I heard a voice on the right side over here that said, Christina, when are you going to stop doing what everybody else wants from you? and really start looking for what makes you happy. And it literally stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, first, you know, am I hearing things? What was that? And it really was that moment where I thought, I really need to to go deep and really change the course of my life. And that was the decision I made to dive into healing, hypnotherapy on myself, EMDR, many other things. I was started going on spiritual retreats and so many other, you know, healing modalities. And that's when I started to have the courage and leave my career and start a new one. Yeah, that's amazing. That's pretty powerful. It I is. Would, I would definitely say a spiritual awakening when you hear a voice like that. Mm-hmm. So that helped you start to transition into a new career. Now, was 
your marriage over at this point? It was all sort of happening. Yes, it was over by then, um, which, you know, that's a long process. But um, through that process, after I was divorced and um, had gone through some very deep healing, I really started to have a lot of compassion for myself and love for myself and and courage and really, you know, see those parts of me that I hadn't really paid attention to that needed love and attention. And from there, I found a lot of courage to say, one, I want to help other women. And I have 30 year wonderful corporate career. I could pull all that experience. And I really want to use these intuitive gifts that I have and kind of put it all together. Hypnotherapy was incredible to me and um, something I felt was very simple. And people don't believe it's simple because it's sort of this esoteric mystery. What is it? You see it on stage at the fair and no one quite understands it sometimes. But I found a way to blend it all together and the courage to leave a you know multi-six-figure career. I still had kids in college and a mortgage and I'm single at this point. So, you know, it's definitely a proud moment. And I think it should be an inspiration to other women. You're not, it's never too late. You know, at that point, I'm 50 something and I did it. That's very inspirational. And such a good reminder to people out there. It's never too late to change not only a career, but also your health and, yeah, you know, your spiritual outlook, whatever it is. It's never too late. It's a constantly evolving thing, this life here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not easy. It's certainly certainly shakes you up when you have confidence in one career and then you go on another one. And there were certainly moments where I think, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there were a lot of lessons there, which brings me to my next question for you. As far as your own journey through all of this to get your self-worth, I won't say back, it, it was there maybe hiding, yeah, but to strengthen that yeah. What was the biggest lesson, the biggest obstacle, and the biggest kindness shown while you were going through all of this, transitioning to a new career, getting through a divorce, and coming into your own, I guess? Yeah. Well, compassion for, I, I think we all know inner child and, and we've done that work, but for me, that was vital and key. And I had done a lot of dissociation and disconnection from my inner child, from my body, from my feelings to survive and, and not even feel or even remember a lot of what had happened. And so when you start remembering those things and realizing that at that age, how isolated you were, and for me, at eight years old, some pretty traumatic things happened, I had to really reparent those parts of me. So compassion, empathy, patience, kindness, devoting now to my nervous system that has often and always will probably default to fight or flight. And I have to understand that about me. And so really um, having methods throughout my life to, when I see triggers or feel myself going back to those reactive trigger moments where I'm on my own. I can't rely on anyone. You know, they still can come up because they're the fight or flight mode that I can go into if I'm not careful or I have compassion for that. I understand why I'm doing that. I have to, you know, let's journal, let's pray, let's meditate. Let me do some work on my nervous system. Let me do some deep breathing. 
Um, let me go to cranial sacral therapy and release the tension in my nervous system or jaw. I mean, I have support now and methods. And for a while, I was angry that why do I still have triggers? Why does my nervous system still go into fight or flight sometimes? And I don't feel that anymore. I have compassion that my body keeps the score and it's not because I'm damaged goods that it goes back to those memories. I just continue to love it. And and I have techniques and tools and it's who I am now. And it also is my superpower. When I was a child, I learned to be incredibly intuitive in those moments. And that intuition is a superpower now. And I look back at some of those things that, you know, I was so intuitive at a young age and able to assess things. And so many of us that have had trauma had to be so intuitive. So hopefully I answered your question. (laughs) Well, a lot of lessons in there. And one of them being that you've learned to recognize when you're going into fight or flight and that you have tools, like you said, that you can do like journaling or meditating or sure, whatever you do. So those are all important lessons. And the obstacle overall was what for you? Well, the obstacle for me was, you know, I had completely blocked out a big part of my trauma and dissociated and disconnected from, you know, some painful things. So I had to feel those feelings and the pain and heal and forgive and forgive people, forgive moments, forgive experiences, forgive myself. So that was a big obstacle. And, you know, and there are still moments when people that are meant to protect you aren't capable or that's not their journey in life. You know, those are big life soul lessons Yeah, um, and big healing. Yeah. Very well said. Mm-hmm. And what was the kindest thing someone did for you while you were trying to master this and heal? Mm, kindest thing. Oh, I love that question. I guess the kindest thing is people that have been vulnerable and, and shared with me their stories and helped me not feel alone. And that is very, very helpful, but kind, because if we don't, we feel alone. And how do we know we're not alone unless other people share with us? They've also been through it. And it helps you feel like you're not being judged, I imagine. Yes, yes. You're not being judged. And, you know, when we realize we are connected, we're not alone. And we have a primal need to be connected. We are all one. We are all connected. And having grown up feeling, quote unquote, bad, you feel disconnected from others or something's wrong, like you're broken. So being able to connect with other people heals that part. It's interesting because I don't know if you know Abraham Hicks or no. Yeah. One thing that Abraham always talks about is when you are feeling bad about yourself or someone else, it's because you are feeling differently than the divine is. The divine does not feel that way about you. And yes. that's why you're feeling bad. Yeah. It's like you're not connected You've pinched yourself off from that divine source. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I mean, all illness or dis-ease is disconnection from self and source. Mm-hmm. And when I am off, I do now 
immediately know, okay, I'm disconnected from self and source. And when I'm with clients, you know, so often, really, no matter what we're working on, almost always a common denominator is reconnecting with self in some way, whatever their belief is in a higher power or God or whatever it might be, but finding some way for them to reconnect to something bigger. Really, it doesn't matter what they come to me for, you know, love or relationships or money or weight loss or something. It's a how do how they're not they're not connecting with themselves or a higher power and whether it's through a morning routine or like you said journaling or something it's so vital yeah yeah my number one pick for that is meditation always mm-hmm. i'm such an advocate for that so let's get into now how you have helped other people can you go through some of the techniques you used maybe with the real life example Sure, sure. So I use primarily what's called rapid transformational therapy, RTT hypnotherapy. And that method was created by Marissa Peer. And she's all over Mind Valley and she's, you know, voted UK's number one therapist, pretty, pretty popular. And, um, and through this journey, it's funny is, um, several years before I studied with her, I watched one of her uh, hypnotherapy audios that helped me quite a bit. And I wrote in a journal, Marissa Peer will change my life. And it was three years later, I found the journal and I read that. And I thought, well, if this isn't a sign, (laughs) I don't know what is. And I signed up for hypnotherapy school with her that day. So uh, just to kind of bring it back around. But with RTT, its primary focus that's different than other hypnotherapy methods is to get to the very root of what is behind the behavior, the pattern, the belief, the feeling that we have. So some hypnotherapy, you know, there's affirmations and these are very powerful, but we need to understand why is it there in the first place? So whether that's in this life or past life, if that's what someone, you know, they believe in, we want to get to the very root of it. And so by going back in through hypnotherapy, we're able to get to when was the first time this belief began? It's just like gardening. Like I, when I was out there in that spiritual moment, we can chop off the weeds, but they're going to grow back. And we don't want that to happen. That's why diets don't work. That's why so many things we get frustrated. You know, here we go again. I'm dating these people again. Here we go again. Um, I thought I changed it, but that core belief is still there. So we get to pull that belief up and really interrupt it. And when you're in hypnosis, you're able to really quiet the conscious mind, the chitter chatter, the analytical mind, and really our subconscious mind is our emotional mind, our feeling mind. And that is 95% of what's calling the shots. So, you know, not our logical mind, which is what we tend to think, you know, that doesn't make sense. That's not logical. It doesn't matter. It's your feeling emotional mind. So we're able to go there, which is driving the car, driving all of our decisions and how we feel about ourselves, and uproot when it first started. So you can see, and when you see and understand, there's so much power, not me, when you see and understand it. Because very often, you know, a client is the one that will 
come up with the root cause and reason. Very often I might feel something else is the root, but when I'll say, what is the root here? Do you see what's the common denominator that you see between all these scenes that we've gone back to? And a client will come up with something. I'll say, wow, you know, I might've seen something maybe a little bit different. And I might add something if I feel it's relevant, but so often they see something that's so magical. They're guiding themselves through it. And from there, I give clients an audio recording to listen to because, you know, it's 21, at least 21, 30 days through neuroplasticity to create a new belief. And with RTT, it's very powerful, impactful words. The images and words we create in our mind have the power to really change belief. So it's very descriptive and, and very powerful words. So that's RTT and there's other methods I use, but I know you want examples and stories too. Yeah. So maybe an example, I don't know if you have someone that came in, like you said, who they keep dating the same type of guy that's no good for them or something like that and how you yeah. work through the process. Yeah. Yeah. So one particular client, you know, I'll change all the names here, but I'll call her Connie. And she was in a a very, very unhealthy, manipulative relationship with a narcissist, which is so difficult to move on from, especially when you're deep, when you're deep into it, because I could see it right away, but, you know, she couldn't see it right away. And so I have compassion for that. And she was 100%, by the way, financially supported by this individual and her children. And so we worked through really just the root cause of her not trusting her instincts and her voice because she could feel things weren't right, but she didn't come to me and say, help me get out of this narcissistic relationship. It was, I don't feel like I have a direction in my life. I don't feel like something is mine. I don't feel like I'm in control of my life. So in so many ways she did, but it wasn't directly connected to that, which is again, often the case. So what happened was we were able to really go back to when she first began to stop trusting herself and her voice and her instincts. And then from there, she started to really find the evidence that she needed to make the obvious choice. And she left that relationship, I think it was just a couple months, which can you imagine? I mean, being 100% financially reliable and it was a very, very well off situation and completely left. And she's more than capable of creating her own life and is doing well and looks back and says, I don't even recognize that person now. So was really so, proud. So what tools did you use? You did hypnotherapy with her? I did hypnotherapy with her. I also always use coaching methods. So after the hypnotherapy, what happens is when our mind really does not want to change because it's believing something that's been keeping us alive and keeping us safe. So our mind doesn't necessarily care if what we believe is right or wrong or good or bad. It doesn't care if we're happy or sad or that's a great supportive belief, empowering belief. It doesn't really care. It just cares that you are alive and you're safe and you're moving forward. So when you're trying to change a belief, even if we know it's for the best for you in the long run, it's going to have resistance because it's like, well, wait a second. This way of thinking didn't work for you when maybe you were five or 10 or 12 or whatever your situation is. So there's going to be resistance. So 
coaching, giving her exercises, um, really allowing her to feel her feelings for her. She was very disconnected and dissociated. So doing a lot of archetype work and exercises. She hated journaling. So we started with five minutes, 10 minutes, more and more to get in touch with her feelings. I'll never forget the moment she was journaling. I knew she would get there on her own, but she was journaling. And through one of the sessions, she said to me, this is a bunch of, you know what? I can't believe I'm in this situation. She like had an awakening on her own. I'm like, thank you, finally. (laughs) (laughs) People get there on their own, but energy healing in general, I'm a Reiki master. So sometimes our energy is blocked in certain chakras. So an energy session, clearing session is very, very helpful as well. And what about, you do something with Theta, Yes. What is that? Um, so theta healing is another modality. And theta healing, you must believe in a higher power with theta healing. And it's a meditation technique utilizing a spiritual philosophy with the purpose of improving your mind, body, and your spirit. So you get into a theta brainwave, and, um, which is same as within hypnotherapy. And you're tapping into, since there must be a belief in a higher power. We're tapping into the creator of all that is, and we're witnessing the healing with the creator of all that is. So it is definitely a kind of a very spiritual philosophy behind it. Very often when you're healing, sometimes people don't even know what it feels like to feel, let's say, empowered or they might have a hard time saying, but I I don't even know what it feels like to walk into a room and feel confident. Like that's completely foreign to me or to speak up for myself in a meeting. So data healing, what we can do is we can ask creator of all that is, can you download that feeling of what it feels like for Marla to live her day-to-day life feeling confident when she walks into a room and to download these feelings. And so and there's a whole technique and process, and you certainly have to believe in that, but it's very powerful and it's created but by Viana Stable. It's created by who? Viana Stable. Oh, okay. So it's getting that person, you're saying, into a theta brainwave through a meditative yes. state. Yep. To tap into the quantum field. So I yep. would I would say there is a very spiritual component. But even if someone doesn't believe it, doesn't mean it's not real, right? So even if they don't have maybe that faith in God or a specific higher power, if they get their brainwave into that state, I mean, they could still Uh, tap into it. um, In that particular method, what we're always doing is we're asking permission with the client. Do I have your permission to ask the creator of all that is to... X, Y, Z, whatever we're doing. And so there has to be an acceptance and a permission and a joint agreement. So the philosophy with theta healing, there's no mixing of any other modalities with that particular modality. And the belief that I am witnessing the creator doing the healing. So I'm bringing the client into a theta brainwave and I'm witnessing the creator doing the healing. So there does have to be a belief in a higher power's ability to heal. Whereas in some of the other modalities that I do, medical intuitive, for instance, 
yes, I do an intuitive body scan. I do connect with a higher power, but a client doesn't necessarily need to understand that or even believe in that for it to work at all. Or even certainly you don't need to understand how you get into a theta brainwave for any hypnotherapy to work. Yeah. Okay. That clarifies it and makes sense. Now, I just want to make sure we touched on, so the past life regression, did you happen to do that with that particular client who was um, with the I, narcissist? Or you can know, you give I, a different example? Of- yeah, I can give lots of examples. Past life regression is so powerful. I probably do it every day with clients. And it becomes less about the life and just more about healing the issue that comes up. But a few examples where it's been so incredibly powerful. One client came to me. She was a very successful graphic designer and studied at a very famous school in New York and had a lot of anxiety, um, very nervous to put her portfolio out and go out and promote her work and even interview. And she couldn't understand it. She's, you know, had been very successful in the past and had done great jobs and so on. And she felt it was connected to a past life. So we went into a past life where she had been hiding and starving in Japan during the war and her family and really hiding, hiding and lost her family as a child, a very traumatic situations. And so we really had to work through healing and closure and letting her see that that life was over and that was not her life now because she was still bringing all that fear and trauma into this life. So once she could see the connection and that she was doing the same thing here, because she was literally feeling the exact same thing in this life. Another client, she was very afraid to have children. She always felt like she would not be a good mother. She was afraid of not being able to care for them uh, or know what to do with them. And she had no intention of ever even addressing children. She came to me for something for health reasons. And in a a session, we went back to a past life where she had been a caretaker of many children, kind of like a teacher at a home. And people came in and raided uh, the home and killed all the children. And she was really trying to protect all the children. And she wasn't able to. And So once we were able to heal and send that soul to the light, reunite her with the children, heal and show her she couldn't have done anything to protect the children. It wasn't her fault. And just shed light on that whole moment and scene in life. She was able to move past it and and feel like now, okay, I understand where all this is coming from. It just shed so much light on everything. Yeah, those sound powerful. Yeah. Like you said, just to get the message out of it, it's not even so much about what the past life was, but what no, it the isn't recurring message or theme was. Yeah, yeah, and resolve it. Absolutely, yeah, that's so interesting. So, was there any last technique we have not covered? Let's see. So, I am a medical intuitive therapist as well, which is a really beautiful technique. It is also a hypnosis technique. But it can be used for other things other than medical. It's obviously emphasizes health issues, but gets a client into a theta brainwave as well. But I also then do a body scan, an intuitive body scan, where I scan a client's emotions, lifestyle, 
their feelings, their habits, and then different systems in their body, their nervous system, endocrine system, bones, body. And from there, we have them meet what we call their wounded self, which is an archetype of either their inner child or an archetype from any archetype, really, and allow them to communicate with that part that really needs to express itself. It's incredibly powerful. So it's just another hypnosis technique. That sounds fascinating. So what do you see when you're scanning them? Are you seeing colors? How does it come across? Everybody sees it differently. But yeah, I'll see colors. I also really just get more of a knowingness. That's how my intuition is. So did you have that ability from when you were younger? Like you said, you developed your intuitive abilities as a small child, sort of out of necessity. Is that where this comes from? Or did you take a course? How how did that come about? Yeah, both. So, you know, when you have... It, you don't always know it's any different than anybody else, but I've always had a, kind of a knowingness or you see synchronicities or things will happen. And, you know, gosh, I knew that was going to happen. So there's those things. But yes, this is a course because to be certified in it. And in the way it's explained to me is it's just like a muscle. And the more you practice, the stronger it gets. And the more techniques you learn, then it's like you practice, okay, let me try that. And it grows and it develops. So it's really interesting because I I was scratching my head saying, I didn't think that was something you could go to a course and learn, but the technique and process you learn. And then the intuition is something that absolutely grows and expands with confidence as well. That's so interesting. Do you have one little practice that you would do to hone in on that skill? To strengthen that muscle. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're trained to do body scans as much as we can. So we don't ever violate or share information without someone's permission or anything like that. But doing body scans or energy scans on myself or my family or asking people, can I do a body scan as much as possible really helps practice. And I get to do this all day with my clients. So the more I practice, the the better. And I'll do it every day. And can you do it when they're on the phone with you or it has to be on Zoom or in person? How does that work? I don't have to be looking at them, but I do almost all my clients through virtual, through Zoom, but I can just tune into their energy. But it does help me, I guess, if I can see them, but um, but I don't have to. And they have to be in a theta brainwave for you to get started or see it more clearly. Um, you know, for a body scan, no, but when I do a session, because we're going to have them go up and meet and speak with their wounded self and do the whole technique, that's when we need to go into that brainwave. Yep. And be in a meditative state. Yeah. I guess, and this is just purely my own curiosity, but as you're looking at me on Zoom, do you see things automatically or you have to get yourself into a certain state? Yeah. Yeah. I got to get, get myself. I got to get myself there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) is there any last thing you want to share with the listeners before we tell them where they can find you and all of that? I think that, you know, hypnosis is a a very natural state. So if for anyone that might be curious about it, you're not in a trance, you don't lose control. I just think that's important to know. Um, You're always in control. We talk the whole time. And once you know the root cause and the source of something, we are able to rewire and change a belief. And it's very fast. 
I mean, that's why it's called rapid transformational therapy. It's really fast. So it's like a session or two and you find profound, deep change rather quickly. So I think that's really wonderful and it's deep change quickly. That's a great thing to know about how long the process takes. If someone has trauma and they're coaching with you, how quickly do you see transformation? So with hypnotherapy, you're saying that can work quickly. And what about the overall issue of the trauma? Yeah, you know, obviously it depends on the depth of the trauma. I work with most clients on an average of three months, maybe a little bit more if they have, you know, depending on trauma. Um, But I also have clients that want to do just one session, which would be about three to four weeks because you do a session, then you listen to an audio recording for, for 21 days. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've gone to therapists for many weeks you know, for years before. So yeah, that's all on the conscious level. So this is subconscious, deep, getting really to the point. Well, it sounds awesome to me. I mean, it sounds like such a great solution. It's great to know that there is something like this out there for people that go through trauma and that they can heal from it. They can move on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So where can people find you? Oh, thanks for asking. My website is christinalwoods.com. And on there, I have a free download. It's a hypno meditation, actually. And that's at christinalwoods.com forward slash free. And I'm on Instagram, Christina L. Woods. I think it's christina.lwoods. And I'll have different free downloads as well and um, courses and masterclasses. So they can find me there. That all sounds awesome. Well, I really appreciate having you on here and talking about a topic that's so prevalent, like I said, trauma. You know, everyone has gone through some extent of it, I would say, if not yet soon uh, or down the road. Yeah, bigger little. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But to know there is a way that they can learn to self-regulate themselves and move forward in their life in a more proactive and healthy way. Yeah. Great. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Be sure and follow Open Minded Healing so you'll get every new episode as soon as it's released each Tuesday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.